Hello, my beautiful humans. I am coming to you while I am doing my medications of the day. Usually if it's not in the morning, it's now. And I'm not a big morning person. But it's been a while since I've done one. Uh, done an episode. And I wanted to catch up, see how you guys are doing. And kind of pass on some updates and some things that I've learned along the way because I feel like when you learn some positive things you um or you learn a little life lesson it's really important to share them um Lord knows that they have helped me and one of those is that you have to feel what you need to feel and it may not make sense what you're feeling it at the time it may be well so for me things i've been experiencing is things on the grief spectrum so in february unfortunately my grandmother of 97 years passed away after a long long battle with alzheimer's disease And if you don't know what Alzheimer's disease is, it's a disease of the brain. And it gradually starts with your memory. And you, by the time that you get to the point that you're dying, you can't take care of yourself. You can't go to the bathroom. You can't. Um, you're basically back to when you were a baby, you know, when uh, you were dependent on everybody to do everything for you, except you have no idea who you are, who anybody is. Um, if you've had anybody in your family that's dealt with it, I'm really sorry if you're going through it because it is really hard to go through to see somebody love going from this person you knew and then the essence of who they are just be taken away by this horrific disease. And I really hope that they, um, they out there in science land and medicine land come up with some better treatments and a cure for Alzheimer's disease because nobody should have to suffer like that. Um, in that time, before that happened, um, I had cataract surgery. And let me just tell you, that was interesting. I had an idea in my mind of what to expect and then what actually happened was completely different um so um because of one of my medical conditions if you have it you know secondary adrenal (laughs) secondary adrenal insufficiency caused by um mine was caused by steroids um that i used to treat my asthma basically suppressed my adrenal system where it doesn't make cortisol and it explained why no matter how hard my pulmonologist would try to get me off of steroids I couldn't and um he was the one and I ultimately say saved my life because if he wasn't the one that just out of nowhere was like at an appointment one day like when was has anybody ever checked your cortisol levels and I was like no 
and he's like, we need to check those. And the next thing I know, I get that, that blood work comes back and I get a phone call going, you need to be on this. You need to find an endocrinologist ASAP. And, um, the next thing you know, like, I'm like looking up what this is and I see an endocrinologist who then says we need to do more blood work to confirm. And it was confirmed that I basically made nil cortisol. And cortisol um, is known as a stress hormone, and it is, but it's necessary to life. It really is. Um, how it works is your body will release it in stressful situations. When your body is under stress physically or mentally, um, your body's job is to release that hormone. And somebody who doesn't make cortisol... If, God forbid, they were in an accident, their body went under a whole lot of stress. Like, they got super, super sick. They went and experienced the loss of a loved one. You know, something really mentally, like, horrific. Anything. What happens is that cortisol, that stress hormone's not there. And you can, um, to release. And what happens is you will get symptoms of adrenal crisis. And, um, because cortisol affects every system of your body, it means that you can die from it. So what do you do if you have adrenal crisis symptoms? You're given an injectable version. Usually most people are on pills and then they have an injectable version of adrenal and you of, of corticosteroid. Um, and you inject that whole thing. And if you can't inject it yourself, because sometimes you pass out and go unconscious, somebody in your family has to be able to give that shot to you and you have to get yourself to the hospital. Or call 911. And um, at that point, it's basically a lot of high dose steroids. And not to say that you still couldn't die from it, but that is how you save the life of somebody. So it's also important to carry, like, a, which I still have to get, uh, a medical alert bracelet. Um, and, but in the meantime, I keep it in my phone and, like, any health app anywhere that I have this condition and I have the potential to go into adrenal crisis. Uh, it is, I uh, believe, different for somebody with primary uh, adrenal insufficiency, which is also known as Addison's. Secondary is different. Secondary, can you can recover. So I've been diagnosed about a year and I've been doing treatment for about a year. So what happens in treatment? Treatment is the very thing that suppressed your system is the thing that keeps you alive. So... That whole time was um, being on, sorry, Cortef, which is the synthetic hormone closest to the natural hormone that you make. But then I developed an allergy to it. And when you're on steroids long term, you blow up like a balloon. You get moon face. Lots of different things happen to your body. It's just, uh, it's just a walk in the park. But it's like... Mm, take these symptoms and live and have a good life and feel good or don't do it and be in the hospital and possibly an early death. I'm like, I will take that. Um, and every so often, the lower dose that you're on, you can get your blood work checked to see where your cortisol levels are. And... If they're showing signs, basically, if your adrenal system is starting to come back online, um, meaning making cortisol on its own, 
then you slowly lower the dose because now we know it's recovered. Um, in my case, my last couple draws to check it, they're still really, really, really low. Like, no, like not where we're like, oh, I think, I think it's alive. But that was also because of one of my other chronic conditions, asthma. If any of you have asthma, you know what it's like. I was having really severe, bad exacerbations all the time. And so basically every time I would be on this like low dose of my steroid, I would have an exacerbation and to treat the exacerbation, you have to take a really big dose of steroids. So then I'd have to get a steroid shot, which then suppresses your system all over again. And then you have to start all over. And, um, so I didn't really get a chance to like, you know, let the low dose steroids do its thing. And Um, but towards the end of the year, my doctor looked into these biologic medicines. I don't know if you've seen them, I've seen them advertised on TV. One's called Dupixent. The other one is called Facenra. There's other ones, but they came out within, I want to say like the last two to three years. And, um... My doctor said, I think that this is really going to help you. And Dupixent failed because of insurance. <laughs> so then we switched to Facenra. And at the end of the year, or no, not the end of the year, uh, beginning of this year, I um, started Facenra. And I've had my third shot. And it's been going well. I come with that it continues to go that way. Um, and the idea behind Pacinor is that it does lower your eosinophils. There is a type of asthma called eosinophilic, eosinophilic asthma, but I believe it can also help with steroid-dependent asthma, which is kind of where I fall. But I have zero eosinophils now, so that means that the Pacinora is doing its thing. But for those of you who are, you know, doctors consider putting you on it, wondering, like, if, you know, for me... I felt like I went from, I hadn't, my first Facenor shot, I was in the middle of a bad exacerbation. Since then, I've gotten like the starts of them, but then it's like the, the Facenora kicks in and it doesn't let it get to the point where it gets bad enough where basically I was up all night long on my nebulizer um, having to add nebulizer meds, having to travel, like, like everything set me off so badly. And then he's like, the other part of it is I would cough and set off my asthma. And then I would just get this cough. Knock on wood. None of the cough was COVID. But um, I, it was allergy. So he's like, I'm going to put you on Flonase. And... The prescription one smells like flowers, which I have issues with scented. So I found the Flonase Sensimus, and I've been using that. And that has been so helpful. And since then, um, I feel like now that we've kind of got an idea with my asthma, 
um, we can sort of now be a little bit more maybe aggressive with the secondary adrenal deficiency um, treatments because the asthma was kind of interfering with the ability to do what we needed to do. So, um, in that time, a lot happened emotionally. I lost a GI doctor. I gained a GI doctor. Um, I'm kind of running circles with that. I'm still not sure where I, I'm mentally at with that doctor's plan versus what I saw, especially with having a feeding tube and everything. Feeding tube's been hanging in there. Um, I've had two replacements this year so far. Um, but I've gotten really, really good at dragging them out as long as I can before I'm like, okay, we can't do this anymore. Um, the supply shortage definitely has affected people with feeding tubes and it's just affected everybody. But, um, basically anybody feeding tubes are also used in hospitals or pumps or formula. So hospitals get first priority when there is that. And obviously I would, you know, want that. Um, but it means that if you're at home doing treatment, it, you tend to get back ordered quite a bit. That's my dog. Loving the pieces, that's fair. <clears throat> I had the I had the door closed so I could do my shot. Um but in that I made a lot of peace with myself, like understanding the treatments that help me and making decisions on I feel like things that aren't gonna be beneficial to me having a quality of life and I feel like that's important for everybody to have is sort of see where you're at be like I feel like no take notes like this really helps me and this really helps me this doesn't really do anything for me this just gives me bad side effects or um this doctor I feel like really hears me but this like I'm always going back now taking an evaluation like what's helpful and beneficial to my quality of life and chronic illness and all of that and what's not helping and the what's not helping has to go so for me that means every once in a while i'll go through i purge meds i'm like you know what i can't do this doctor anymore and i know it's a pain in the butt to have to go find a new doctor And explain your situation. Because apparently, you know, your charts don't seem to explain it enough. At least, I, at least that's been my experience. And, um, you know, something I realized was also know your worth. Know that you are worth fighting for. And you'll know, like, when you're meeting with, with your with doctors you all know if you're with the right people um and sometimes you do have to be and that's that's i think a really 
unfortunate thing is having to fight for what you know is right for your body because you know your body better than anybody else and um you know else and it can get annoying i had a recent hospitalization over my pots and everything and the doctor was really great but i feel like he was pushing things on me like you need to do this and this and this because you have a lot of you know what in your intestines but don't we all especially we have gastroparesis um and it was like there's a reason like i don't use things like metamucil or anything like that because my body cannot take high fiber that's why my formula has no fiber because literally i can do a little bit of fiber and like maybe that's it and it depends on what it is um it's one of those things that my body is very slow digesting just like it's so digesting oatmeal, but it does okay with grits. And um, I have come to find quite a few things that I can eat now um, that either I couldn't before, but I had a lot of anxiety, a lot of food aversions, a lot of fear in that first year because every time I would eat before that, I would be in pain. I would have anxiety attacks just so bad. And... Uh, what I didn't realize was it was going to take time for that part of me to heal. Um, when you're undiagnosed and you don't know why this is happening, and you're losing weight and you're like, I don't recognize myself. I don't feel like myself. I have no energy. I don't feel good all the time. And then you get a diagnosis and you kind of get on the search of treatment. But it's like there's this, the mental healing that goes into it and the physical healing and I feel like it's taken me like two years, almost the entire three years I've been diagnosed, going on four years, that um, I've gotten more like comfortable in my diagnosis um, and kind of knowing and listening to my body where it's at. And I have weeks where it's just bad. And then I have weeks where it's, you know, I'm doing pretty good. And I'm, you know, I'm proud of myself for where I've gotten to. Um, and always be proud of yourself. Like, if it's an accomplishment for you, and it feels important to you, then it is important. And um, I think that's where I've made a lot of strides, was I also really threw myself into my mental health. Because I realized there's this balance between your mental, your spiritual, and your, your physical health. And I wasn't really giving my mental health the attention that it needed. And I went back into therapy about four years ago. And um, a couple of my therapists have since retired. But um, in that, I realized just as much as you listen to your body and when it's telling something's off, you guys listen to your brain too. And steroids, one of the things is it definitely affects your mood and hormones. And I've gotten to learn, oh, no, it's like hormone, Kate. It's steroid gate but um um it's i don't to sort of figure out what's you talking and what's not you talking and i'm you know it takes a while to like figure out those two um but things that i've learned that i've wanted to share with you is is whatever you're feeling that day like it's okay like, let yourself feel what you need to feel. Let yourself go through what you need to go through to help you heal. And you will come out the other side of it. 
and write it down. Like it can get stuck in your head. Um, and you can just get wrapped around that thought and it just, it just plays nonstop, like on repeat. And for me, it's journaling. For me, what helps get me out of my head is journaling, art, film, music, um, you know, when the asthma is not bothering me, I'm usually, I usually have a garden going, but you know, and kind of making sure that I don't sing into, I'm like, yes, it's okay to feel this. Yes. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel angry. It's okay to feel frustrated. It's okay to feel all of the things. It's okay to cry. I've definitely had motions where I just cried and I knew maybe that's what my body needed to do and um learning to especially with asthma (laughs) learning to just breathe and take the time you need for yourself and some people might get mad they might understand make and that's the other thing was doing what you need to do for you sometimes means making decisions that people around you or that love you may not be happy with the thing is, it doesn't matter if they're happy with it. If it's what's right for you and it's going to help you feel better mentally and physically, then like, you need to do it. Um, as long as you know you're not harming yourself or wanting to hurt yourself or others. You know, if you're having those kind of thoughts, please seek help. Because um, you're all of you, I'm telling you, are beautiful souls and... I love talking to you and sharing my story with you. And I hope that by sharing my story, you can see that it is not an easy path. It's not an easy thing to deal with, but you can. And it's a matter of finding the ways of dealing with it. And for me, it was understanding. At first, I thought I want everybody to be happy with every decision I make about my health and my mental health and everything about that. And I think it's, I was focusing so much on what was going to make them happy that I was forgetting about well, what make, would make me happy. What would is going to help me feel stable in my mental health and physically and feel right to me. And I realized sometimes that means that not everybody is going to agree with you. But at the end of the day, if you're within yourself, if you're... If it feels right to you inside, like in your gut, in your heart, in your soul, you're like... This is the right decision for me, you know, then it's the right decision for you. And you don't have to sit here and try to be pleasing people all the time because not every not everybody is going to agree with you. It's like part of life. Nobody's going to agree with your decisions or your thought process or where you're coming from. Um, do I think it's important to communicate what you're feeling? Yes. Um, that's something I've been trying to work on is even though I know my mom, my, my mom or my dad or my sister may not agree with the decision that I make. I still feel that it is important to let them know that this is what I'm thinking of doing and the decision behind it. And sometimes I explain like my thought process behind it. Um, I journal a lot to my mom. I kind of use her as like when I have a thought thing and she's really glad, you know, like I'm in therapy. She's really, you know, she knows that I needed it and certain things I think maybe coming from her working in medicine for as many years as she did 
may not quite understand the decisions that I make, but when I go into appointments, I don't just make things out of haste. That's another thing. Um, Take the time to really hear what they're saying to you and unpack that decision. Like, Like, don't be like, okay, send the script to my pharmacy, let's go. Like, if it's one thing that you need it right away, and it's going to, you know, but I'm just saying if it's something that's going to make a new long-term treatment, um, I'm the type of person that believes in research and information, and I like to be informed. I like to know all of the things. So for me, I take what I learned from my doctor's appointment, what they told me, what they want to try, and I go home and I unpack it. And I think about how does the idea of adding a medicine to my already big stack of medicine feel does it feel like it's the right decision? Let me look up this medicine because he's not, this doctor's not telling me anything about side effects because I guarantee you if he did, I would be saying no. And I use reputable resources. I look up this medication. I make sure it's not contraindicated. I do my research on it and I think long and hard about it because I'm not just going to start every medicine that's called in my pharmacy or that they want to start on me unless it feels like it's the right decision or right next step. Um, like procedures and things. I'm like, okay, if, it's this, if you feel this is necessary, okay. But in my mind, to me to feel fully prepared and like, okay, I am in a place where, yes, this feels like this is necessary and right, then, you know, to proceed with it. But there are times where I've been prescribed medicine and I'm just like, no, this is not the right thing for me. Um, it does not feel right to me. What I've researched about it, um, the risks to me outweigh any benefit it could give me. Um, therefore, I'm going to have a hard pass on that. I'm going to pass on that. Um, so, and so that's where I think me liking to be in control and deciding what I'm going to take, what I'm not going to take, um, based on research, based on going through my mental health process on it, my mental thoughts on it, um, my physical thoughts, like, not my physical thoughts, but my physical um, body. I'm like, okay, if I take this, this is what my body could experience. And it may not have happened, but this is what could happen. And am I prepared for that? Could I mentally handle that? And... I kind of make decisions off of that because it is ultimately at the end of the day, it is your body. It is your decision what you put in it. Um, yes, there's treatments, but, you know, I feel like at the end of the day, the hard research in front of you, the information in front of you is the best way to make any decision regarding medicines, procedures. You know, certain procedures are absolutely necessary. They're emergent. They're necessary to saving your life. But, and certain medicines are the same way as well. But then there's other medicines and things that's like, mm. and that's where I'm like, if you feel like it's not right, but maybe they're pushing this medicine on you. I'm all about getting that second opinion. Um, I'm all about just um, looking into everything, like Facebook support groups, just talking, just kind of getting a general consensus. And... Um, coming in with as much information on board um, makes me feel more confident when I go into adding something to the regime, to the regimen. 
And, uh, you know, I encourage you that to do is, you know, if you are a person of faith, you know, look to your faith. If you're a person who, like me, does believe, have faith, I do believe in God, but I also really believe in the science of things and logic and, you know, the information in front of me and the research and um, lugging all of the research and the knowledge in front of me, like, you need to help you feel the most comfortable in the decision that you make. And your family might be like, you need to be on this and you need to know that if it doesn't feel right to you, they can't guilt you into being on it. Because there's been times where I've been like, okay, fine, I'll try it. And it either, you know, you know, realizing I was doing it all for them and not any, any for me. I didn't want to do it. Uh, <clears throat> you know, which is why, like, I'm really learning that whole thing. Like, especially in a hospital when they want to just give you medicine and I have to be like, no. And sometimes you get this look like, it was designed to help you. And you're like, well, you're treating something that I didn't come in for. And I didn't ask to be treated for that, number one. Um, I know my body well enough to know that it's down there. Like, it's feeling pretty okay. Um, you know, I came in for this, not for that. I'm like, why are we doing that? Like, and I know, especially if it's something that is very triggering for my anxiety, um, I would rather be in my own home and deal with it than in a hospital in sort of unfamiliar situation, not unfamiliar, but different. Because it is not fun to be in a foreign area that's not someplace comfortable um, going through it. And, um, you know, I take stock of that. And, yeah, I can say, and that's been really empowering is being like, you want me to take this medicine? Mm, no. Um, and the nurse will turn on to she refused the medicine. And I'm like, okay, yes, I did. Um because it depends. It depends on what they come in. Oh, the doctor came in and ordered this for you. The doctor came in and ordered for that. And, like, if I know the medicine, if I've had it before, I'm like, okay, that's fine. But if they come in and ask something I ain't never heard before, and I have not had time to look it up, we're not just going to start putting it in my veins. Um, and I've come to do that not just with that, but with... Um, um, when it comes to, like, my at-home care, like, medicines, I have, I'm very particular in the way that I like to do my medicines at home, and I always forget that goes out the window when you're in the hospital. I'm like, and you sort of get your control over when you can dispense your, give yourself your meds, and on, like, the schedule that works for you in a way that works for your body, and for me, my doses closer together work better than farther apart, and in the hospital, they're farther apart, and they never get my meds right, and so I'm used to constantly having to fight that fight, but if it means that I get my medicine correctly, and after, you know, close, as close to the time as I can get it, and, um, I try to just work with the nurses, and that's the other thing is, they are limited by laws and things that means they, you can look at them and go, I really wish I could, um, 
just give it to you, but there's like laws and things and rules in the hospital that I can't just give it to you when you ask for it. Um, which is the definition of as needed, but laws say they go by like FDA law. So if it says like every four hours, you're, you're as needed as every four hours. So, and every time you're like making do and, um, it's your thing because at some point you sort of get used to hospital medicine schedule and then it's really easy to fall back into your home and some things I've kept and some things I'm like, mm, no. Um, you'd be surprised. I don't particularly like having to do anything to do it. You know, it's one thing getting my 52 exchange in the hospital, but when I would have to run feeds or flush in the hospital, I don't know what it is, but I really didn't like doing it in the hospital. Um, um, like if they let me do my own shots in the hospital, I'm pretty sure I'd make some nurses scream because... I kind of have a way of doing things that a nurse definitely would not do it that way. Um, but, you know, you do what works for you. And I have looked up a lot of YouTube videos and read a lot of information. Because obviously, nobody who does self and has to do injections at home wants to have to deal with an infection. So, I'm always very clean about it. I use separate alcohol wipes for if I'm having to do injectable Benadryl, if I'm having to do my steroid shot and my skin, I, I go through a lot of alcohol wipes. Um, I have tissues, you know, I definitely bleed. Um, you know, I rotate through sites. Um, and I'm very particular. Like, uh, in a little bit of time, I'm going on a trip. And packing when you have chronic illness and you take a lot of medicine requires a lot of, to me, thought process. Because I'm thinking, okay, there's the absolutely necessary meds that have to come. There's the as needed meds that have to come. And then there's the like, mm, this very rarely happens, but do I? So, you know, I'm in the process of thinking up what absolutely needs to come. Like, I know it absolutely needs to come. I know what it's as needed that needs to come. And then I have the ones at the bottom, bottom of the list that are basically as needed, but barely, I mean, barely used, but they're there just in case. Because at one point they were used a lot. But one of those being migraine medicines. But um, I've really figured out triggers. And they seem to come in, like, I had, like, all of December where I was getting them every single day. I could not figure out why. And then they just, like, cleared up. So I was, like, not sure what that was about, but they would come on really fast. And I was this close. I was, like, I was ready to go find a new neurologist. And then I just went, I noticed they started to space out. But they were excruciating. Oh, my goodness. Um. can't figure out what was triggering them but if I start getting them again I'm paying attention um a little bit more <laughs> you have migraines you tend to and your migraines are food triggered you know um some some of the times they're stress triggered you know there's different triggers um just like with asthma there's different triggers um anxiety different triggers so um and learning 
I call it my toolbox, like with my anxiety. And I encourage you to just build a toolbox of things that help you, whether it's medical things. And, you know, you, you this is my medical toolbox. I call it the medical side and the mental side. So mental side, I have like my art supplies and apps like on a tablet and um, music. And then on the medicine side, I have like anti-anxiety medicine and pain medicine and things like that. I'm like, and sometimes it's a matter of using one from each side of that box. Sometimes I can just pull and I tend to want to go through the non-medicine side first before I reach the medicine side. Um, but sometimes it's a situation of we need to use this tool and it's a tools that help me be able to be me to be able to function and, um, using them wisely in a responsible way um, so that we're not or just say that I'm not feeling like I can, the only way that I can function is if I'm constantly using medicine. I don't, I don't want to be in that situation. I wanted to know that if I pulled out a coloring book or if I um, went into one of my apps or went into one of my meditation things um, or listened to a podcast, I could use different tools um, and kind of, I assess based on my situation, this is what I feel like is going to be the most helpful at this time to help with the symptoms. And I know in my mind, I say, these are symptoms. This is what I know works for me. This is what I know does not work for me. And yeah, some people are not going to get it, but for me to feel better, for me to be clear of mind, that is a thing with me is I like to have all my ducks in a row, the best that I can. I like to be clear of mind. Especially when I'm in the hospital. I don't like being foggy and not completely with the program. Like, I like to be very clear-headed and very in the moment. And completely aware of my surroundings and what's going on. And anything that can sort of dull that or take that away. Um, like, with procedures, I know that part of me is going. Which is kind of annoying. Because part of my control is being... Um, completely aware so taking that com- awareness away is kind of a hard thing to deal with but I've also learned from me being aware when I'm going through this and I can't see what's going on just makes my anxiety worse so in that sense that that comes and talking to the staff things like that um, I tend to certain things that I used to think were a problem I've kind of switched it to use to my advantage like I have learning disabilities. One of the things I do tend to do is stare out into space when I get, it's actually sort of an anxiety thing and I do sensory issues as well. Um, I kind of focus on something. I get focused on something and let myself zone out. And I don't know what it does, but it helps because then somebody will say something and it'll bring me back and then I I feel better. So um, it's like whatever you got to do for you, boo. Um, I would love to know what you guys do that helps you. And, um, what, if you could go back three, four years, what would you say to yourself? Like when you're in the beginning, you're, you're going through this, you're getting your diagnosis. What would you say to yourself? What would you now say to you then? I would say to myself, I know it's hard right now. I know it's painful. I know you are freaking out inside. I know the anxiety's through the roof. I know you're in pain. 
And I know all these things are happening in your body and you have no idea why you don't know how to make it stop. You don't know how to make it feel better. And you like, you remember like the one medicine that ever gave you relief was like Zofran, right? It's like, but I would promise you, I promise you this doesn't last forever. And you're strong and you can handle this. You can handle this. It, it ends. I promise. I promise that it ends and you will learn so much along the way and you will grow so much as a person and you will find your inner strength your inner you are your inner warrior like your inner wonder woman you will find her and she will come out whenever you need her your wonder woman is right there you are walking around in that gal gadot wonder woman outfit with the lasso of truth and those boots and that endless headpiece, you got it. Whatever your favorite superhero is, you don that cape, you are that her, you are her. Every time you're going through something, you, for me, it's like a persona. I become like Ferocious Gate. And I think of, like, my favorite superheroes, which are, like, Wonder Woman. Obviously, I had a definitely have a thing for, like, the Power Rangers, but more of the older ones. Um, heroes. And I feel like, okay, today I'm going to be, like, a, a badass today. Like, like today, I, I have days where I'm just, I am not today. Not today. Today I am determined to have somewhat of a good day and a good day looks different to everybody um but you're like i am not dealing with this you know it's where i carry myself in the sense of i got this and you do got this and um uh, for me it's basically creating different personas that like in those situation well i am like the warrior patient you know my gown is my cape and my superpowers are the ability to communicate with nurses super effectively and be the best patient advocate for myself ever and speak my truth. And that Dante Vedder persona is speaking my truth and, you know, not being afraid to say what I'm thinking. If I'm just, just say it. You know, let them be uncomfortable. If they're going to be uncomfortable, I'm already uncomfortable. You know, so being like this was what you know fell into love with the persona of superheroes is they're this one person when they're not kicked up and saving the world, and then they're just like kicking butt and taking names when they're kicked up. And I was like, I needed something that made me feel. Um, strength so my strength is my faith and there's days where uh, most days where it's like god is my cape and jesus is my armor and the holy spirit is my superpowers and then there's days where i'm like i'm feeling kind of wonder woman-ish today and or i'm feeling more like a power ranger today or i'm feeling more like none of those things today like I'm not feeling very superheroish today. I'm just feeling me. And me is whoever me is that day. And that is it is. 
you are whoever you are that day. And that can change from day to day. And I think it's kind of an exciting thing because you never know. Today, you might be feeling silly and jovial and like kind of just feeling like being ridiculous. And then the next day, you may be in a mood. But it's like roll through it, kind of go with it. Um, that I've embraced, I've learned more about myself, and I really like being silly and I like playing around with my voice. Um, and I like bright, funky colors. And I like to cook. I've embraced that I am messy. Yes, I'm messy. And that I love school and I'm a nerd. And I'm a dork and I'm a geek. And I'm so weird. It is not even funny. Um, and I embrace all those things. And I, I use them as armor and shields and as ways of getting through things. Because I'm like... I just feel like being silly right now. And I didn't, I don't know, I just want to be silly. Or I just, you know, I want to make jokes today. I'm just in a joking mood, even though I can't really tell jokes. Um, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to cook something today. I am in this this random mood. I'm just going to go for it, you know? Um, And I sometimes just make jokes at my own expense. I'm looking at medicine going, this is just getting ridiculous. But, uh, knowing to not take yourself so seriously and at the same time, making the time to have the conversation with my family, sit down and kind of just lay it out all on the table. And that's really important. Sit down every once in a while, just lay it all on the table. However you need to feel, whatever you need to say, it's all coming out on the table. We are all expressing our feelings. And I feel like it's made wonders in the communication. And I feel like I'm so much closer to my family because I'm more honest with them and open with them about how I'm feeling, what I'm going through, what they're going through. Um, because sometimes you get caught up in what you're going through. You forget your family, your friends, they're also going through it with you. And they also get frustrated. They're on the other side of it. And I kind of got a taste of that when my dad went through his hard thing, having to sit here and wait and wait and find out if he's okay. Did he make it through getting this heart, this thing placed in his heart? And like, oh my goodness. And I'm thinking, this is what my mom does every single time I have a tube change. And she would tell me, but it didn't quite click until my dad was going through this. And then I was like, oh my goodness. And the second that I got the phone call that he was okay and he came out and he was fine, I was like, oh. I was like, yeah. Amen. Thank you, God. Um, but I am worried about that whenever my mom calls and says, your sister ended up in the hospital. Or your dad fell off taking him to the... Or my dad is the type of person who says... If, you, if he is the type of person and you have one of those in your life... That literally... If they say, take me to the emergency room, it's bad. And it's like... Because of recent things, I feel like in a way he saved his own life. Um, but... I still worry. person has worries. Especially when it's like... My dad also has AFib. And... My mom is diabetic, and so it's like my sisters. You know, I, you know, I don't know if I have her permission to talk about that, but um, she has her own thing, and it's like they all they're different things. And I have researched all what they have, mostly because my dad and I have like you know the same thing. And I, I look at him, and when you know your family, your friends well enough in their condition, you can kind of just look at them and know when something's off. And I'm persistent about it because like I know I'm like don't try me. Don't, I know, 
I know when you're having a good mood. I know. And I know when you're off. Um, and to care for them and to take care of them the way that they take care of me. And the way that they love me and the way they show their love to me. And sometimes it's different. Sometimes showing love isn't necessarily, oh, come give me a hug. Sometimes showing love is being tough love. Sometimes showing love is saying, you handle this. You can handle this on your own. You don't always need me there. Um, but I feel them with me in my heart. Like, I feel like I always have angels. And I call them my angels, my grandparents. Ever since they've, I've, because they've become grandparentless, I feel like I have angels with me. I don't know how to explain it. But I feel like I have this troop of angels with me all the time. And, um... And I'm like, my angels, they got me. And um, everybody has their group of angels, their, their little warriors, whatever it is you believe in that surrounds you, that brings you comfort. Um, embrace that. Right now, I have been embracing my Disney side. I have been getting back into physical therapy. I've been kind of just going with the flow and enjoying things. And I really hope... Um, that this helps, that this inspires you to know because we have chronic illness out there, because we're going through mental illness, as in we have to stop living and existing and enjoying things and doing the things that make us happy or maybe being like, oh, I don't want to admit that I like this because people are going to make fun of me. Who cares what they think? If you love it and you enjoy it, you do it. We all need our happiness in this world, especially with all the tragedy that has been happening. We need some happiness. We need some positive energy. We need some good mojo out there. I just like to call it good juju and um, good vibes and just, you know, spread it. Not like COVID, but spread, spread the good juju, spread the good vibes. You know, be there for yourself, love yourself, help others to be able to love themselves. Um, know them that they are, they are too worth self-love um, and to loving themselves and that they are beautiful too. And... Um, I hope that this helps you. And I know you heard a lot of noise, but I kind of took you along with me doing my meds. So you heard me doing my shots and you heard me doing my tube stuff. And um, now I'm kind of set for the day. So now I think it's a matter of the few last minute errands that I have to do. But um, I hope to catch up with you soon and do an episode real soon. Um, I found out that Anchor is allowing you to build a website. So that's going to be a project I'm going to work on. And hopefully I'll have an update coming soon on that. So keep an ear out. And thanks for listening. Bye, friends. I love you.